millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, November 9th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, Mississippi has a new member of the House of Representatives. We take a comprehensive look at the state's fourth congressional district. Then the midterms came and went without a competitive race. We examine what the outcomes say about policies and preferences. Plus, we look ahead to the 2023 election. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Yesterday's midterms came and went without much surprise. The three incumbents on the ticket won re-election. Republican Trent Kelly carried the 1st District over challenger Diane Black, a Democrat, and 3rd District Michael Guest beat Shirosky Young, a Democrat, to secure his third term. Mississippi's lone Democrat, Benny Thompson, won the seat in Mississippi's 2nd District over Republican Brian Flowers. But voters in Mississippi's 4th District will have a new representative, Mike Izell, who unseated incumbent Stephen Palazzo during the Republican primary, will be the newest member of the state's congressional delegation. He beat out former Hattiesburg Mayor Johnny Dupree for that seat. With all the races called and the 2023 statewide election cycle around the corner, we're joined by analysts Austin Barber, a Republican, and Brandon Jones, a Democrat, to sift through what some of this all means. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for being here. Let's start with the 4th District. Stephen Palazzo was not able to hold off a stable of challengers during the Republican primary, and that was an indication there might be a desire for change in southern Mississippi. Here's Azell talking about that appetite for change last night. campaign has been great. I tell you, we've been very well received all around the district, as it showed tonight, you know, when the people turned out for me. And, uh, you know, defeating an incumbent that had been in office for almost 12 years, uh, just doesn't happen, but it's because we worked hard, and I think the people were ready for a change. I'll start with Austin. What, if any, changes does Mike Azell bring to the 4th District and to the state's congressional delegation? Yeah, listen, <clears throat> I think this is the theme for the day for me with with Mike Azell. Candid- <laughs> candidates matter. Okay, he's a good candidate. He's a, um, I don't want to say longtime sheriff. I don't know how long he's been sheriff in Jackson County, but at least two terms that people knew, people trusted, people liked, and that's what happened to Stephen. 
uh, former Congressman Palazzo. I guess once you're a congressman, you're always a congressman. But but that's but that that's what happened is Palazzo um, had uh, sort of lost his touch with voters in the district, obviously Republican voters, because he lost in the primary, and and that's what happened. Um, uh, Sheriff Ezell, now Congressman Ezell, I think is is pretty well liked. Look, he's going to be a conservative vote. Uh, I, I don't see him taking maybe. He'll take 98% of the same votes um, that Stephen Palazzo did. But it is what can he do for his constituents, whether it's constituent services, whether it's fightings for specific projects, education projects, health care projects, little local projects that really matter for mayors and supervisors. That is what is going to make the difference, I think, for Ezell versus Palazzo. And that'll be a steep learning curve for him. He's a longtime deputy sheriff. Um, I should say, uh, also a Pascagoula guy, just like me. I, I, I've known uh, Congressman-elect Ezell for many, many years. He and I went to the same church together. His sister taught Spanish there at Pascagoula High School. Small uh, world. Yeah, good folks. Um, and look, I, I, congratulations to him. He, he didn't beat a slouch. Johnny Dupree is a you know long-standing elected official in uh, Mississippi, uh, one of the uh, great mayors in Mississippi history in Hattiesburg for a long time. And uh, ran ran very hard, but uh, not a surprising outcome there. And to Austin's point, I don't think we'll see a whole lot of difference in terms of the vote. But one of the things that uh, Congressman Palazzo was criticized for was those types of things that you were talking about, constituent services, accessibility, things like that, perhaps citizens in District Just being 4. connected we'll to the district. There. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a big thing. I mean, members of Congress, yeah, they represent 250,000 people, or maybe it's it's – it's actually it's got to be way more than that. half a million people because we have four of them in Mississippi. Um, do the math this morning for me, Brandon. Please help me here. But, but members of yeah. Congress can still be connected mostly because of what they do for mayors, members of the city council, boards of supervisors who are obviously immensely connected in their communities, these courthouses. So um, that that's a that I think that was the problem with what happened with Palazzo, and we'll see how Ezell does. All right. Thank you. Coming up, the midterms came and went without a competitive race. We examine what the outcomes say about policies and preferences. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The U.S. and the Holocaust documentary started a conversation about our country's role in a dark passage of human history, inviting us to consider how world events might shape or reveal our national character. Continue the conversation with us on November 15th at our virtual screening of scenes from the U.S. and the Holocaust, followed by a panel discussion with audience Q&A. The event is free, but registration is required. Visit mpbonline.org for details and to register. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. Mississippi entered the midterm election with Republicans holding a firm grip on three of the state's four congressional seats. It will stay that way, as the AP has called races for incumbents Trent Kelly and Michael Guest, as well as newcomer Mike Zell, as you heard. Benny Thompson, the lone congressional Democrat, also won re-election. None of the four races were particularly close. When all the votes are tabulated, each winning candidate will likely carry at least a 30-point margin in their respective races. Brandon, let's start with you. What conclusions can we draw looking at the midterm election? There were no truly contested races. Why? 
Yeah, well, I think you can thank the way that we draw our congressional districts for that. You know, gerrymandering is real. Uh, they're drawn to affect uh, political outcomes for the folks who are in elected office. And, you know, this latest round of uh, district changes here, the most significant change was to uh, Congressional District 2, Congressman Thompson's district, which now goes down the length of the western part of the state. Uh, but it looks like he has managed to come out of that without a, too much change in terms of the outcome. But what I see is that Mississippi reflects much of the rest of the country in terms of people going into last night expecting huge change didn't get it. This was, a, you know, typically our off-year midterm elections are really bad for the party in power. And so there was an anticipation that you would have a red wave. And certainly Mississippi remains bright red. But what we didn't see was this wholesale change, incumbents getting beat, folks getting run out. It just was not that uh, dynamic of an election. I think some folks were thinking it might be kind of more of the same. And that same was true here in Mississippi, albeit with different things at stake. Yeah, I don't know that I don't know that anybody thought that was going to happen in Mississippi. You but but I get your point though. Your point is people are angry. Um voters are angry. There's no question about that. Um What are they mad about? Well, they're mad about a lot of things. I think there's no question first and foremost they're mad about inflation. That's the number one thing on the list. Um, uh, crime, those on the left are mad about abortion. Um, but th- those are, those are the three big issues to, to me that are driving voters intensity. But in, in Mississippi, I, don't know, so also I think preserving democracy turned out to be I, a winning I, message I, last I, night. I, across I, the country. I don't, I don't think that's, that's at the top of, at the, that's, on the, that's not on the top of anybody's list when a pollster calls. It should be. I'm not saying it shouldn't be. It should be. But I think the other issues that, that I brought up. But listen, in Mississippi, I, I thought Brandon was going to go in a different direction because he says Mississippi is he sort of looks a lot like the rest of the country. And then he said something else. But I will take his sentence a different direction. Republicans won in Mississippi where everybody knew they were going to, which kind of happened around around the country. And Democrats won in Mississippi in, in the second congressional district, like like they did around the country where they thought they were. It was these swing areas, which we just don't have in Mississippi. Which is, have which is districts. unusual, because if you if you go we have back... Swing, we, legislative districts we do, but not congressional districts. If, if you go back um, for virtually every midterm since I've been alive, you're accustomed to seeing the party that's not in power win 20, 30, 40 seats. You're, you're accustomed to these waves. We, we call it waves, but really it's just an every four-year, off-year occurrence. I mean, it just happens. You know, American voters have a history of trying to establish some type of balance uh, up against a party that's in the White House. And so it is it is a historically unique election in the sense that that did not happen for the first time since 2002. And in 2002, we were just coming out of 9-11. It was a very different national atmosphere. And this time around, you don't have this wide sweeping change in terms of how con- Congress is going to be. Well, we're going to have a new Republican majority in the House. I mean, maybe, that, that, but no, Kevin McCarthy is going to have to manage a very narrow no majority. Question. And it, he may not. I mean, it, we say Kevin McCarthy. It, we think it, maybe somebody, some Republican yeah. will. It's going to happen. I mean, you, I, I don't see anybody saying it's not that there's not going to be a Republican majority. Not, not nearly, mathematically not, impossible. Well, of course, not nearly as big as um, as 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 many thought. But it's it's that's going to happen. So we didn't get the red wave, but Republicans remain favored to win a majority in the House, as you mentioned, Austin, but not by as large a margin. And there is a strong possibility Democrats 
will gain a seat or two in the Senate. Messaging, a key factor. And in Mississippi, the Republican incumbents were in lockstep with their messaging. Let's take a listen. Uh, We've seen that by using just Democrat uh, bills, the the Democrats have added over $3 trillion into our economy. Uh, That has caused uh, inflation to spike to 8.5 at times 9%. Uh, We've got to reopen up uh, our natural lands, uh, whether it be national forests, whether it be uh, Gulf Gulf drilling, uh, so that we can produce more energy domestically. Uh, Under President Trump, we were energy independent, and we can get there again. His name's Joe Biden. I mean, he is, uh, he's intentionally driven up the prices of gas. He has intentionally spent more money than we've ever seen in the history of the world. And he is tone deaf to the cries of the American people. Now, that was Republicans Michael Guest and Trent Kelly. Both voted against the certification of the 2020 presidential race. Both have curried favor with former President Donald Trump. This strategy appears to play well in our state. Three Republican winners carried nearly 40 points in their margin of victory. But based on what we're seeing nationally, especially among young voters, they poll prioritizing the right to an abortion and the preservation of democratic institutions. What do you think about how long this messaging can go on that Republicans are using right now, Austin? I'm not sure I quite understand what your question is. What, what, what message is the shelf is that? life for the platform? The, the, the shelf life for the platform? For having uh, for, Trump out front. That, well, listen, I, I think it was a bad night for Trump. That that's just the honest truth. I mean, if you look at, in my opinion, if you look at the the clear winner, Republicans nationally, it's Ron DeSantis. I mean, the guy won. He he beat uh, a former, he he beat a very serious candidate in Florida by twenty points, by twenty points. Uh, Republicans are going to pick up, I think, four new seats in Congress in Florida. Um, I, I think he's the guy right now who's the front runner for the Republican nomination in, in 2024. But there have been a lot of front runners two years out who didn't, who just didn't survive. So, so we'll see what happens. But listen, the, the, the for Republicans, here's what matters: nominate good people, have strong Republican governors. We have that. Uh, we the, the nominee for Republican governor in New York. New Hampshire, Georgia, Florida, Ohio, those are states Republicans did really well. And then you may say, well, Herschel Walker didn't win. Well, Herschel Walker's going to a runoff and probably will win a runoff. And it's because of what Governor Kemp did to get him to that point. If it wasn't for Brian Kemp in Georgia, Raphael Warnock would have won last night. Wasn't it Senator uh, McConnell who said there was a lack of good Republican candidates? He, he's been he, he's been sort of... Uh, critical of of the way that the campaign process is run for Republicans. And he he was right to be. And and look, um, every year since 2016, Donald Trump has been a drag on the ballot. And so that's that's just the truth. And and so Republicans have another chance to ditch Trump and they need to take it if they want to continue to be viable nationally. Now, we heard, uh, you know, Congressman Guest, Congressman Kelly you know, when you talk about the shelf life of these red meat messages in places like Mississippi Congressional District 1 and 3, yeah, it probably works there, and it'll probably continue to work. I mean, you know, when you say, how long does that last? I think it's it's probably good, and it, it seems to have served them well yesterday. But um, 
I think Congressman Guess in particular is going to have to reevaluate whether or not he wants to keep invoking Donald Trump's name every third sentence. Because I, to, to your point, Austin, I think Trump, again, we're at this crossroads. There is a chance to ditch him as being the savior of the party, as being the leader of the party. And I think that would be well informed by but Republicans I, to do so. I mean, in fairness to Guess, I did not hear him say Trump's name one time. In oh, that, he did in that, in that clip. Yeah. In that clip? Okay, I missed it. Look, no, I, listen, these guys – um, that are that are incumbents, they got it much easier than the ones who were who were who were seeking office for the first time, and, and not in Mississippi. Um, you know they they got to talk about serious issues that matter to people. Next year in the governor's race, you know, Tate Reeves is the incumbent uh, in the primary and in the general election. He's going to talk about issues that matter to people, which are jobs, the economy, that'd be a pleasant change for the healthcare. governor. Uh, no, I don't think that's fair. I mean, look, the, the huge announcement he just made with a with a with a thousand new jobs at a ninety three thousand dollar average per job in in the Golden Triangle. He's got plenty of things to talk about. All right, Benny Thompson, who's held his seat since nineteen ninety three, is chair of the House Homeland Security Committee and the January sixth committee, and he spent some time last night highlighting the importance of the democratic process. Let's hear what he has to say. I hope the people have gotten. A message that in a democracy uh, it's your votes that count and once the count is made uh, you can ask for a recount you can go to court uh, but you don't riot or try to tear, tear the place up so if any message comes from what I've seen with the elections tonight uh, they matter but in this democracy uh, that process is a peaceful process and so it's working Overall, in Mississippi, the midterm elections have been relatively quiet. Have there been lessons learned from January 6th, Brandon? Yeah, you know, I, I agree with Congressman Thompson. This notion of preserving democracy was a big deal. I know sometimes we say that in election cycles, and it sounds sanctimonious, and it sounds over the top. And I get that. It, it can it can seem kind of um, a little bit uh, over the top. But in this particular moment in American history, we do have some very true existential threats to our democracy. I don't think um, there is any person in Congress who has done more to try to stem the tide and keep us on the on a good path in history than Congressman Benny Thompson over the course of the last several months. I think he has stepped up in a way that is just incredible. I'm, I'm very proud of his uh, handling of the January 6th commission. I think when we look back on this period of history, Benny Thompson will be someone that's revered and looked at as someone that really helped keep us between the lines in some major ways. So I think it was appropriate for him to hit that tone of democracy. I think that is a very important factor that's on the minds of many people. And look, Austin, I would like nothing better than for us to not be talking about democracy and whether or not we can live with election results. But last night, when Tim Ryan lost United States Senate race in Ohio, his concession speech has been played on every news network across the country because we have become a country that doesn't that, that, that thinks twice about how to live with election results. And we got to get back to that point. I know you and I have worked on many campaigns. We've always been the type of people to say, be gracious. You know, yeah, but that goes both ways. Look, there are Democrats that get upset. It doesn't go both ways. Oh, well, they, they, Brandon, the January 6th thing is not a that, both sides that, that's, situation. That's not what I'm talking about. You said to be gracious. There are, 
for instance, and I won't, I will no, I will not name any names, but I've got a candidate, a client who is a member of Congress in in Virginia, who um, trounced a, a, a Democrat last night for the second time. She never called him. She was not gracious. That's that, that is that's the back, big difference. That's in the that ba- type that's the back of end of time. I understand and trying well, to change election I, laws I, and things I, like I, that. I, 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 of course it is. Of course it is. I'm, I mean, I, I'm not even going to argue with you about that. But you said to be gracious. That's. It is sad though that Tim Ryan goes on and goes. Well, you know, I'm conceding my election, and that gets a bunch of attention. That's the way it should be. You should listen. If there are election results that need to be contested, heck, man, you and I have both been on many Mississippi elections where we contested election results. But you would I, agree that there are some Republicans out there saying, I, especially in Arizona, of course, that if they lose, of course, that, they didn't really lose. Of course, and that's wrong. That, that, that You can't say that before the daggum election even happens. Yeah. Now, of course, I, I, I agree with that. Um, but, but my point is, in 2012, when I was doing Mitt Romney's campaign and I was in, in Boston on election night, we were looking at what was going on in Florida. Yeah. You know, that, that the, the polling precincts had been held open late in Miami-Dade County. And you better be – absolutely, we were taking a look at what was going on there in a state that was going to swing that election. Those things happen. I get it. We're talking and about and three agree. or four that, different that's, things. That's totally right. I mean, that, that's within the fair way of elections. That's within making sure that the vote yeah. is correct. And, yeah, I think we'll always agree that there's room for that. And we have laws that allow for those types of things. Um, but, look, I, I think as much as anything, there's a sense of relief. And as I heard Congressman Thompson speaking, it kind of reminded me of that. It's like, you know, maybe in some respect. You can exhale a little bit after last night if you were a little bit nervous that things might get a little bit more into a kind of a back and forth over election laws and things of that nature. I mean, we have said throughout this program that things really didn't change too much last night, and I think that might be a decent thing for our democracy. Okay, I'm going to cut you off there. I want to get to 2023. Governor, lieutenant governor, and the entirety of the Mississippi legislature will be on the ballot next November. Our MPB news team caught up with some voters and asked them what motivated them to turn out to vote. I think it's important to me to vote anytime I have the opportunity. And also, my district is Representative Thompson's district. And I know the state does lean Republican on the whole, but I'm really proud of him and the work that he's doing, specifically on the um, January 6th committee. So it's really important for me to vote for him and support him. I don't listen to news. I don't like politics. My mm-hmm. children told me it was very important that I come out and vote today <laughs> for Michael Guest. I believe that our world has gone so far to the left that we're never going to come back. Mm-hmm. And we're in a world of hurt. And we need to keep everything we can. It might keep us on a little bit of a right track. I know gas prices are a little high and everything. Food is high, but I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm in support of Democrats. The overturn of Roe versus Wade. Uh, I think a woman should have uh, make a choice, you know, with her body. So um, I, I'm I'm against that. I come from an older family. My grandmother and and they actually fought. They had the right, they had to actually fight for the right to vote. So hey, if they had the right to vote and they actually my ancestors and the people prior to me and the generation that came before me actually fought for the right for us to vote why not exercise my right to vote so it's going to be very important that i utilize my voice in order to do what i need to do austin what issues or policies do you think are going to motivate mississippi voters to get out next november 
Um, well, listen, I think the, the uh, I think candidates are going to matter. Can the Democrats find a candidate for governor that can actually um, get some real attention, raise real money, run a serious campaign, and give Democrats around the state a feeling that, hey, we can win? Because Tate Reeves is going to be um, the incumbent. He's going to be well-funded. He's going to have a good record to, to point to, and he's going to be very difficult to beat. That's what matters to me to answer your question is, will the Democrats be able to find somebody at the top of the ticket? Because that was the story yesterday. The top of the ticket either helped Republicans or hurt Republicans, whether it was Pennsylvania and Maryland where they just got crushed or whether it was New York and Florida and Iowa and New Hampshire and Texas and Georgia where it helped Republicans. That's the big question because if you're, if you're a legislator running for reelection or challenging an incumbent legislator in Mississippi next year, it's going to matter whether you have Tate Reeves on your leading the ticket or a former truck driver leading the ticket. It makes a Democrats. big difference. What and about the issues? Yeah, so I, I agree with Austin. I, 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 but I, I, I think when we think about issues, I think, you know, look, Dobbs does matter. We've seen Dobbs make a difference in places like Kansas. We've seen Dobbs make a difference in places that you wouldn't expect. And I think Mississippi is the same way. Look, uh, these these issues related to women and families are going to be on the ballot. Um, and so I think that will will resonate with voters in Mississippi. I think it resonates with voters everywhere, regardless of what the political dynamic so is. So a We've good candidate who touches on the issues we know one is abortion what it's, it's education health care and and um you know money usually m- money. factors sorry there. i couldn't get that <laughs> yeah, yeah. It I, there. it's the leading it's the leading you know issue yeah. and because we have no idea where the economy will be at this time next year we have no idea that's going to drive it but you've got to have a candidate who can deliver those messages to the voters, whether it's in a 30-second ad or in a speech uh, or, in a, or, in a, or in an interview like we're doing right now. That's what matters. And can the Democrats find that person? And by know. right, the Democrats haven't been able to come up with candidates who have been able to pull that well, kind of yeah. crowd or get that base behind them. Although we are in a conservative I think that used to Republican be true. State. I think Mike Espy and Jam Hood would... They would, but they would I argue guess we still you. lost. That, that, no, and, that's, no, that's right. We haven't gotten over the hump, but they the, were still good candidates. Jim so they Hood could, still lost. Well, yeah, after he won five times statewide. So, I mean, yeah, it, the, the point Pretty is, though, you have to have good candidates. There's no question about that. And 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 there will be good – I think there will be good candidates. I don't know. I'm not yeah. working with any of them. I think Brandon Presley, the Are you public service today? commissioner from North Mississippi, <laughs> would make a great candidate. He's a political athlete, and he's an incredible communicator. Public service commissioner. That's right. And I, I think he could be a candidate. I don't know if he is going to be a candidate, but if I think if he were and I were Tate Reeves, I would take that very seriously. Would you consider him a formidable candidate for Republicans, Priestley? Uh, as a Demo- as a Democrat nominee, yeah. yeah, I think so. I mean, he's proven he can he can raise money. Um, listen, I, I I look at Brandon <laughs> here. I think can he motivate um, African American voters, particularly in 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 Hines County? Can he do that? That's going to be his his big issue, and you know we'll see. We'll we'll, we'll see. Um, I, I you know, I, but I think Brandon, Brandon, not this Brandon to my left, but if Brandon Presley decides to run, yeah, he will be. But Tate Reeves is is definitively uh, the favorite in that race, no question. Yeah, I mean, look, incumbency has its advantages. He would go into that race as a as a heavy favorite, and that's 
that's just going to be the case no matter who the opponent is. Do you anticipate seeing some of these state House and Senate seats opening up and seeing some real contested races? You know, I think we've drawn ourselves into a place that's pretty static. I mean, I I think at this point we have redistricted ourselves into a point where it's kind of like the National Congress. There's just not a whole lot of competitive areas. There will be a few. Um, I know that uh, Austin spending time this evening with Briggs Hobson, he comes from a district that's an interesting one in the Senate. Um, in that know, district? That's in Vicksburg, in Warren mm-hmm. County, yeah, in the state Senate. You know, look, there, there are interesting spots around the map, but those interesting spots have gotten a lot less than just a few cycles ago. So I, I don't think that leadership of the House or Senate is on the ballot in 2023. Yeah, and, and but I will tell you, it just really depends on— And we're running on, out of time. Yep, yep, yep. I heard him. It just depends on what the economy looks like. Those races could get much more tight if the economy is, you know, down the toilet in, in Mississippi next year. If the economy is doing okay— Republicans will just probably control, keep their supermajorities in both chambers. All right. That's the last word. Thank you, Austin Barber and Brandon Jones, for your analysis. You are listening to Mississippi Edition.